came to fruition. Yes, so here we are. We yes. hope you will have fun today. Are we ready? I think so. Okay. You know, it's not that oh, exciting. <laughs> hey, this is us, again. We have a website, mjandtricia.weebly.com. None of this is on there today, but if you no. want to find other things that we've done before, podcasting, yeah. our lists from this morning are on there. Yep. There's some other stuff. Your God's Big Words God's devotion books are on there. devotion books. There's a whole big uh, list of those, too, yep. so. So we thought we'd start with the parts of a book because kids love knowing the parts of a book and being able to use the parts of a book. So I made you all a giant book today. <laughs> now I'm going to use this in the library as well, but, um, and this is very much a work in progress, so no judgment on my giant book yet. So essentially, kids need to know the basics. They need to know that this is called the cover, the cover has the title, the author, the illustrator. We talk about the fact that if there's only one name on a picture book, that that person did both the writing and the illustrating. If there's two names, that there's both. And my kindergartners can tell you if there's one name, they know what it means if there's two names. Now, fancy little words, especially if you're in a library. Up here, you've got the headband. And we always tell the kids, don't pull books by the headband because that breaks them. The bottom of it is called the footband. Fancy, fancy words, I know. I don't teach kindergartners headband and footband. Um, the spine of the book. And we, I talk with my younger kids, your spine holds you together, just like the spine of your book holds you together. So then, this book has a dust jacket, which means there's a front flap. The front flap tells you what the book is about. And there's a back flap, which will give you information on the author and illustrator. And I love knowing where authors and illustrators live, so we'll often talk about where does that author and illustrator come from. So then, if you take the dust jacket off, which sometimes there's a hidden clue under the dust jacket, I have the inside labeled, dust jacket. Um, underneath the dust jacket, this is called the case cover. Sometimes the case cover will be different, sometimes it will be the same. If it's different, the kids flip out because it's different and it's a great thing. So then, on the inside of the book, you have the front end papers, which is very confusing for kids because they're like, it's at the front of the book. I know, but they're still called end papers. And then you have the back end papers, which makes a whole lot more sense. Now, sometimes, sometimes, the end papers will give you clues about the story. Sometimes the back end papers will be different than the front end papers. Now, Trisha and I have a slightly different philosophy about this. Trisha would often show both the front and the back end papers no matter what. It depends. Am I right? It depends. Definitely depends, Mary Jo. No. I don't think so. Um, my kid, and I, in the library, I always show the front end papers. If the back is the same, I go, ah, oh, they're the same. We all go, wah, wah. Um, <laughs> 
And if they're boring, we also go wah, wah, but that's all right. Um, if the back end papers are different, I'll say to the kids, I'm not showing you the back end papers. What? Why not? And then they, go, they know by now that because there's something secret about them, you can't know. So front end papers, back end papers. Then my brand new book is already falling apart, but that's okay because I can show you then this. <laughs> so it's kind of convenient. So this is actually called a magazine. In a book, books are put together this way. You get three different pages, big pages, that are then sewn or glued, to, glued together, and one of them is called a magazine. So that's that technical word for that. Now on the inside of this book, I'm just gonna show you some real quick, fun things that you need to know. Again, this is a work in progress. So this will eventually say title page. This will eventually say copyright page, but now it's just blank, blank, like our lives, just blank. <laughs> Um, a single page illustration means that the illustration is just on one side. We love the term gutter, G-U-T-T-E-R. Gutter is in the middle of the book. Um, the book Shy by Deborah Friedman, the character actually lives in the gutter of the book. And the kids love that. And then we have a two page illustration, also known as a double page or a two page spread. So there's your fancy words. There's one that I did not have in here yet. You know in those books, um, when a page like folds out, it's called a gatefold. And kids love knowing that knowledge because some of our favorite books have gatefolds. Librarians don't love gatefolds because those books fall apart quickly and get rips in them all the time, but the kids love them. So a gatefold is when it folds out or folds down. So there you go. So we should tell you that some of this information we found out by reading this book called reading picture books with children. It's called the whole book approach because instead of just reading the pages of the book, you're actually using the outsides of the books mm -hmm. and the end paper and the back cover and all of the things inside the book to help you figure out what's happening in the story. So this book is written by um, Megan Dowd Lambert called Reading Picture Books with Children. And that has labels in it too. Like it that does. points to the gutter and all the things. And it's just a fun book to read. Mm -hmm. It's all about picture books. Oh, so good. Good times. All right. So, okay. now that you know these things. This is me, right? This is you, Trish. We forgot to print out our notes for this session, so <laughs> we're winging it a little bit, but it's going to be awesome. <laughs> so, there are lots of different reasons why you might read, right? Sometimes it's just for fun. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I want to show you a book that you can read with purpose. So this might be more of an interactive read aloud. It might take quite a bit of time to get through the story because you're talking with kids. You're giving them some background knowledge. Background knowledge is so important to build before you read a book. So we're going to do a little bit of work with this book, Alley All Along, which I talked about in my session this morning. It's such an amazing book, and you can pick it apart and find so many deep thinking things for kids to look at. So we're going to also explore the parts of the book which you just learned about. And uh, we're going to activate and build some background knowledge, and then we're going to kind of discuss throughout. I actually read this book to a group of young fivers. Um, I picked this one because there was a young gentleman in the class that has some anger issues, and that's kind of what this book is about. So. This is Allie all along, and I think I'll be able to read it from the slides okay. because the words are quite big. One thing but, I do want to say yeah. is that we both love it when kids are nice up and close. Um, so now, we want you all to come down here. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> you are fine. <laughs> 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 
Um, but sometimes it's just important to have the kids right there, seeing the pictures. We know that there are situations where kids need the pictures projected because of vision impairments or other things. But if you can, always have them see the actual pictures and not an Elmo's or yeah. projector. It's nice because, so for instance, if I may just pick on Whitney a minute. Yeah. Miss Nyhold over here has a group of first graders and one of her kids is visually impaired. And so everything has to be up on the screen. And so, so I'm a principal now this year instead of a first grade teacher. So I'm actually visiting a classroom every day and reading a picture book. So I was just in Whitney's room the other day, Wednesday, wasn't it? Was that yesterday? <laughs> they all run together right now. <laughs> and so I had to read a book through using the document camera. What, what I don't love about that is the kids are looking at the screen and not at me and the book and my facial expressions and stuff like that. But honestly, it worked fine. It was great. I just love the connection of kids looking at each other. But obviously, sometimes you just can't make that work. So, yes, do it. Okay. So first of all, this is the front cover of Ellie All Along. And since I was reading this book with young fives, I probably approached it differently than I would with older kids. Young fibers don't typically have a ton of background knowledge, so I wanted to build some things. So first of all, we talked about the colors that we missed. So you can see in the title, it actually looks like a rainbow. The colors are on purpose in that title. And so going in with the kids, I wanted to explain that sometimes the colors represent emotions. So I actually started with a story with them of my own personal background, which is, um, when I was teaching first grade, there was a little boy who was bouncing a ball in the hallway, and I asked him to pick it up and hold on to it, and then he kept bouncing it. I asked him to pick it up and hold on to it, and he kept bouncing it, and then I took the ball away, and he yelled at me, you are making me red hot angry. <laughs> so we talked about how that color red shows anger. So we talked about that a little bit, and then we talked about, so what do you think these other colors could represent? We had a little conversation about that, because I read the book in advance, of course, so I kind of know where I want to lead them. We also took a look at that monster on the front, and we looked at the emotion in the face, that tongue sticking out, the red color, and do you see the broken crayon? So the kids were noticing some of those things. Also, I tried to take the picture so that you could see the spine. The spine goes in order from red to yellow to green to blue on the side. So we took a look at that too. So I think the next picture is the back cover. I just let them look at it for a little bit because do you see in the outline of the monster, there's actually a little person in the inside. So we talked a little bit about why that might be, trying to build some ideas of what was going on. I also read the back cover because in the book it doesn't explicitly say that it's her brother that's helping her through this whole anger situation, but the back cover says it. So sometimes it's just nice to know that detail. So it says, is there anything more explosive than a toddler tantrum? In Allie's house, the answer is no. Fortunately, the furious, fuming, frustrated little girl has a big brother who helps her find ways to calm herself down one layer at a time. So with that, we looked at the end papers. Now, we do... MJ, so <laughs> we do disagree just a little bit sometimes on this. With Young Fives kids, we looked at both front and back end papers just because I wanted them to have as much knowledge about this book going into it so that they would understand what was going on. With older kids, I think I would save these. 
So this is the front end of the paper. The crayon is obviously broken. There's that red background. And then the back end papers look like this. So instantly the kids are saying, oh, they fixed it. They got it taken care of. They fixed the problem. And the, the colors aren't all crazy anymore. They're in a rainbow pattern. So going into the story with all of that knowledge was super helpful. I feel like this is a buzzing. Is it ringing? It's OK. So this is the title page, and you can see some arms of a monster coming off to the side, and it's blue, but the brother is like holding on to these other monster clothing. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about what that, what that might, might mean. The kids in that class actually put that picture together with the picture on the back of the outlines. They were pretty smart. Snap. Allie's crayon broke. I blinked. She was suddenly furious, fuming, frustrated, and so, so, so angry. And we talk a little bit about this picture <laughs> and how it's all red and angry and look at those eyebrows. Because kids, I think, in young fives don't always know what their faces look like and what emotions match with which faces. She stumped, smashed, crashed, and threw a tantrum, a fuss, and a fit. I gave her a pillow to punch so she wouldn't break other stuff. That got the worst of the angry off. And we stopped here, and we noticed the zipper. And we see that the color is changing. And the kids noticed, I think she's going to be a little less angry. <laughs> Still, Allie was ferocious, fierce, and very angry. I asked her why, but she wouldn't say. So I told her to squeeze her favorite toy as tight as she could. He didn't mind. So at this point, I stopped and I said, what are some of the things that the brother is doing to help that little girl through her anger? And we talked about the two things that we had learned. So squeezing a stuffed animal. And what was the first one? Hitting a pillow. Hitting a pillow. So that was good. It looked like it helped a little. <coughs> but Allie was still irritable and angry. Maybe she didn't even know why. I feel that way too sometimes. And I might stop here and ask the kids, do you feel that way sometimes, where you're just angry and upset and you don't really know why? I might have them share. I might have a story for them to share or to listen to. So I suggested, try to take a deep breath, but don't hold it too long. Pretend that my fingers are candles. And you can blow them out. That seemed to help some. Then she was just plain old regular angry. Maybe a little sad, too. I helped her count backward from 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The rest of the angry fell away. And there she was. Now, at this point, with young fives kids, we had to talk that through a little bit, like the colors are in the numbers, but now she's a girl suddenly. Was she really a monster?
knew she was in there all along. And you can see the tape and the paper are there. And the kids made the connection to that back end paper where the crayon was fixed because they see those clues in there and it all comes together for them. It's so much thinking and connection for them, which is really fun to see. That's it? That's it. So that's spending a little bit more time on a book. Sometimes, sometimes you just need to read a book to a kid. Sometimes they just need to hear a good story without having to think it all through. I know if every single book I read I had to dissect piece by piece by piece, which I'm doing for some grad classes right now, and I hate it. Sometimes I just want to read, and sometimes we just need to model to kids how to read out loud. So Tiny T-Rex and the Impossible Hug is a book that you just need to read out loud to kids and not dissect it, not take it apart piece by piece just because it's a great story and kids will giggle the whole time. So what I normally do, and I, I'm a, I have to hold it in my hand. That's fine. Um, I usually show the kids the front. We talk about the front cover just a little bit. What do you see? It's a tiny T-Rex. How cute is he? We talk about the author illustrator. We turn it over and we notice, huh, there's a cactus on the back. And the couple, the several classes I read this to all said, why is there a cactus with a T-Rex? I'm like, I don't know. Let's read it and find out. So then what I always do, and I know Trisha does this too, we have to always peek under the dust jacket, and kids already know, oh, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same. I have to do pictures of that. And then the dust, the end papers, they're the same. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, so then you just read the book and just enjoy this book. Fabulous story, Tiny T-Rex and the Impossible Hug. Hello, Pointy. Are you okay? No. Today I feel sad. I do not want to play. I will admit that with this book, this was a great conversation to have with the kids. To say, wait a minute. The title page is in a different place. The story started before the title page. How cool is that? They love that. So then Tiny T-Rex and the Impossible Hug by Jonathan Stutzman, illustrated by Jay Fleck. And you know what, guys? He's, Tiny T-Rex has a list. It says, how to make a friend feel better. Cake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Smiles. Hugs, which it seems to be circled. Tacos. And jokes. Now, if you read this book on a Tuesday, some child will say, it's Taco Tuesday. Can I stop you for just yes. a second? I think so often we flip through these front pages without thinking about it. There's a lot of stuff in those front pages mm -hmm. that will help you understand the story. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're looking at them, even if it's a copyright page. Like, in the pigeon has to go to school. Look at the copyright page in that book. It's made up. It's all made up stuff. Yeah. It's hilarious. And the real copyright page is in the back. Yeah. Hey, sorry. No, no. <laughs> Interrupt all you want to. Hmm. And I want you to notice something as I'm reading this is that it's all in periods. So one would think having tiny arms would lead to exclamation marks, but they're all periods. So you need to read it this way. I'm in my own personal opinion. I have tiny arms. It is very difficult to hug with tiny arms. Each day I am growing taller, but my arms are still tiny. Hugging almost seems impossible for a Rex as tiny as me, but I will try anyway. Pointy needs me. Hmm, where is my father? 
I will ask him for advice. <gasps> Hello, Father. Now, do you notice? Wait, wait, wait. Do you notice where he's standing? He's standing on his father's head all along. <laughs> Rexes are thinkers, not huggers. Perhaps instead of hugs, mathematics might be the answer to your problem. Pointy does not like math. Math will only make Pointy feel worse. <laughs> Hello, Auntie Junip. I have a problem. I must learn how to hug, but my arms are too tiny. I have found that balance is the key to every problem. Balance and freshly squeezed cucumber juice? That is disgusting. I will ask my mother for help instead. and now I am lost. <laughs> I do not think I will find my mother in here. <gasps> Hello, mother. <laughs> it's okay if you can't hug, Tiny. You are good at many other things. You are kind and creative and braver than most. You are tiny, but your heart is big. I cannot hug with my heart, mother. I must learn to hug with my arms. Hello, sister. Hello, brother. Please help me. Hugging is very difficult. <laughs> We'd love to help, Tiny. To do the impossible, you must plan and practice. <laughs> practice, practice, bonk, plunk, practice. Thank you, Trixie and Rory. That is good advice. I will plan my strategy. So when we talk about, oh, he could be fired out of a cannon. Mm, that's not going to end well. Jumping off a high spot. Yeah. Unicycle over a ramp. Oh, look where he's going to end up. Um, rappel off a larger dinosaur. That's even worse than the ramp. Oh, he's going to dig a tunnel or parachute down. Hmm. I will get stronger. I will practice very hard. I will practice my hugs on everything, like a ball and a book and a flower and ice cream. That's a little messy. I will not practice on that anymore. <laughs> then you have some child go, that's on the back. <laughs> almost ready. I will practice one more time. When I am done, I will find my friend. Oh, that tree is very big, like pointy. I will hug it. This is not a tree. I have made a mistake. Please help. From up here, everything looks tiny like me. I could hug anything I wanted. Miss Stahl loves when the page flips like this. Oh, the page turns. The oh, the kids tell me that. When I read a book Miss Stahl loves when the pages turn. <laughs> now I am falling. I should not have let go. Now I will never find Pointy. 
Hello, pointy. <laughs> Hello, tinies. <laughs> I am here to make you feel better. I have practiced very hard and hugged many things. My arms are still tiny and my hugs are still tiny, but I will do my very best because you are my very best friend. Thank you, Tiny. That was the biggest hug ever.
stories to your pets. Sound like a safe game to play if you're a balloon 
red shoes up? He sure does. He does, oh. indeed. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. I can tell that he really cares about his new pet. He does care about his new pet, but uh-oh. I see something. Uh-oh. I do too now. I didn't see it at first. I think the illustrator put it on the side so that it's way out of the way so you don't notice it right away. She's blindfolded and has a pin. <gasps> oh no. Oh, he made it so far without having it. Oh, oh no! find a video of the person just to help kids get a little more knowledge of who they are. Um, That's it, background knowledge building again. Exactly. Um, but reading a nonfiction book, what kind of things? So I think the tricky part is kids don't always naturally gravitate towards nonfiction and neither do teachers. Except that little kids do. Little kids, little kids. It's all about nonfiction. And it's all about animals. And about yes. Yeah. And about in second or third grade that starts shifting. I know that my nonfiction section in the library, if I've got kindergarten 
first grade, they are going straight to that nonfiction. Um, even though we have gorgeous picture books, mm -hmm. but they love the nonfiction. They love it, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I know that as a teacher, I didn't always pick nonfiction to read to my kids. Mm -hmm. It's harder to read for some reason. It's not like a connecting story kind of thing, but it's really important for kids to hear nonfiction books and to know that there are real people out in the world and there are stories about them. Yeah. Um, and I think kids like to learn about people. Yeah. I think that's been a, a theme that I've noticed for sure. So there's a lot of like books coming out that kind of look like nonfiction, but kind of don't too. There's the, there's the really obvious ones. Like if you flip to the next side, you're gonna see a pink is for blobfish page. Yep. So this is like expository nonfiction. You've got a big picture, you've got some information, we've got some serious facts on the side there. Uh, that's a book by Jess Keating, by the way. Um, and her new one, Gross is a Snot Otter, comes out Tuesday. <laughs> it's gonna be great. So that's, that's like maybe what we grew up with, with nonfiction. Mm -hmm. So if you go back again to the slide, thanks for being my slide person. I got your back. Yeah. There's also lots of other different kinds of nonfiction books, and some of them are telling a story. Mm -hmm. And then we even have, like with Unicorns 101 down there, it's like fiction, but nonfiction. Because it's about unicorns. Which is, and there's a name for it now. This is almost becoming a new genre. Yes. And it's called... Can you remember what it is? Nope. I can't. You keep talking. Okay. You're I'll find it. it. So Unicorns 101 is set up with like all those um, nonfiction text features, but it's about a fictional animal. Mm -hmm. So it could be used to teach nonfiction because it has table of contents, it has like fun facts and things like that, but it's not actually true information. It's all made up, but it reads like a nonfiction book. Mm -hmm. Meet Miss Fancy is a book that's kind of based on a true story, but some of the stories made up. Um, Squirrel's Family Tree doesn't have the photographs in it, but it's a story about the life cycle of an oak tree. So, did you figure it out? No, no. Okay. I missed um, out. And then you've got the biographies there. Some biographies will have real photographs in them of real people, and some of them are illustrations. So, it's a really broad category. It's hard to know what's what, and mm -hmm. I'm guessing you have trouble knowing where to put things in the library. Absolutely. Absolutely, because sometimes it's, a, it's fiction, sometimes it's nonfiction, and so where does it fit? It's tricky. But the more you do it, the more comfortable you become doing it as well. So if you're learning about pink tarantulas, just read that one page and show the kids, you just read this one page, and it's okay. That's the great thing about nonfiction to teach kids, that you don't have to read it cover to cover. Yeah. You can kind of pick and choose what you want to learn about. So, but it is a good thing to do. So, not all books that we recommend are Christian. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> clearly. So what do you do with that? We're clearly in a position where it is our job to help children understand what to do with books that are not written by Janet Oak. <laughs> Who is a younger crowd than my aunt. They Janet that? Oak is. Um, <laughs> that? How do you help kids sort that out in this world yes. of what do you do when you bump up against a book that's not overtly Christian? Yes, which is often the case because mm -hmm. um, there aren't that many no. books that have God in them. So what I've been doing when I've been going around to classes and also when I was a first grade teacher and we did those God big word, God's Big Words devotions, if you've ever heard us present about those, that's taking just secular books and it's putting um, a Christian perspective into them. So 
as I read to the kids, like, I might say, so this book doesn't mention God or being a Christian at all in it. But do you see anything in this book that can tell you more about who God is or about how he wants us to live in this world? And often kids will be able to figure something out. I'm thinking tiny T-Rex. What is God trying to teach us through that book? Can you learn more about God or can you think about how God wants us to he wants us to help and learn help people who are hurting. Exactly. Help. And you know what? If we don't know how to do it, there are people in this world that we can look to to help us. Exactly. Learn how to help people that are hurting. So I think you could take almost any book, and if you think about it, I think you could find a way um, to incorporate that Christian perspective into it. Yep. And just equipping kids. I mean, if we believe that we're reformed and that every square inch belongs to God, every book, most every book. Most every book. <laughs> Um, that's going to be amazing. How creative God is. Yes, how creative God is. That's a great one of nonfiction. Just look at the creativity oh, that God has yeah, put in this world. It's mind-boggling. Raise your hand if you've heard of Rudine Sims Bishop before. Go Miska. A couple. Over here to do something. Awesome. Rudine Sims Bishop is a retired professor, professor of America. Yes. We didn't throw out those words out there. That was very impressive. So she is a, a professor from mm -hmm. Ohio State University. Yep. And she kind of coined this phrase that reading can be mirrors, windows, or sliding glass doors. So what this basically means, we're going to try to unpack this just a little bit. Uh -huh. Books can be a lot of different things. So a mirror book might be a book where you see yourself a little bit, just like you see yourself when you're looking in a mirror. It might be your skin color. It might be your family dynamics. It might be your environment. Or it might even be a similar life experience is a mirror book. And people tend to drift toward mirror books because it's where we're comfortable. We see ourselves in these books. And we love that connection. Yep. That feels like me. Yes. <laughs> so then a window book is a book that helps you to see outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. So like you're looking out at a window, it's different from who you are. It can help you see into a different world. So again, different skin color, different family experiences, different environments, different, different life, experiences. life experiences. Definitely. Mm -hmm. So she coined this phrase back in 1970-something. Mm -hmm. um, and a sliding glass door book, which is hard to explain to kids, it's when the book is basically so well written that you feel like you're stepping into that world. But that's really tricky to go from a window to a sliding glass door with kids, so we've kind of just gone with mirrors and windows. Not to lessen anything Miss <laughs> Bishop has done, Dr. Bishop has done, but like middle school would be a great time to talk about sliding glass doors. Mm -hmm, for sure. Mm -hmm. So MJ and I have both been trying to incorporate this when we read to kids, talking about books that are windows and mm -hmm. mirrors. Yeah. Not every book obviously fits that, but also we're going to commit a cardinal sin of PowerPoint and we're going to read a slide to you. Sorry. <laughs> this is a quote from the article that she wrote about books being windows, mirrors, and sliding glass doors. Do you want me to read it? Sure. Okay. So books are sometimes windows, offering views of worlds that may be real or imagined, familiar or strange. These windows are also sliding glass doors and readers only have to walk through in imagination to become part of whatever world has been created and 
mirror reflection, we can see our own lives and experiences as part of the larger human experience. Reading then becomes a means of self-affirmation, and readers often seek their mirrors in books. And part of that seeking your mirror in a book is why there's such a push right now for own voices books, that every child, no matter their skin color, no matter their background, no matter where they come from, sees themselves in a book. It's so incredibly important. Trish and I both have, we have some examples for you of our very, oh wait, this is the bulletin board in the library that I put up this year, just to help remind kids, books are mirrors, books are windows. Um, so we both see the value of mirror books and window books in our own reading lives. Um, my mirror book is a book called My Friend Maggie. The very first time I read this book, I opened up to like the third page and there was a class picture. And Maggie, the elephant, was standing dead center in the back row, towering above everyone else. I started crying. Instantly I started crying because I went right back, I can almost start crying now. I went instantly back to grade school where that photographer, I was always dressed head to toe, all cute, but you know what everyone always got to see of me was just this much. Because I was in the back row, dead center, every time. And all the little, short little girls, which bless their souls, they're beautiful people, they got to show off their whole outfit in the front row, and I only got this much of my outfit. So, crying. Mirror, really good mirror books bring emotions out. This is, oh. That's a really good book, by the way. It is. If you haven't read that one, it's a great book. My mirror book is called Saturday is Swimming Day, and it's about this little girl who has to go to swimming lessons, and she does not want to, and so she fakes sick and has a stomach ache. And when I was little, as part of our school experience, we got on buses and we drove to Holland's community pool and we had to get our little swimsuits on and I was chubby and chubby girls had to wear the brown suits. So did the tall girls. And the cute little girls <laughs> yep. who were skinny got to wear the red the and the greens and the purples. <laughs> and I hated swimming lessons so worst. much. And I had super long hair and it would be wet and it would be wet all day long and it would get all snarly and seriously I haven't worked through this completely yet. <laughs> to A Long Walk to Water, which is one of my favorite books, um, simply because I just loved seeing what's happening around the world. And water is, water, clean water is near and dear to my heart ever since I actually walked in Kenya with some girls to get water one day, 
and saw the conditions that they had to get the water out of. And ever since then, I just wanted to know more. Like, what can we do to solve this problem? So any book that opens that view into what has happened in the world, for me, is a fabulous window book. I mean, I, we could choose multiple window books. I'm actually listening to a window book right now. Um, it's the new Angie Thomas book on the come up. Um, I won't recommend it for your classrooms necessarily, but it's just a great window into a different culture. That's kind of what mine is, the many colors of Harpreet Singh. I talked about this morning in my session. Um, that's a little Indian boy. His name is Harpreet, and he wears different colors every day to represent his moods. And he has to move to a new city and with his family, and he hates it there, and so he wears only white because he wants to be invisible. And eventually he makes a friend. Everything is okay. <laughs> and his colors come back. But what I love about this book is I learned something from the note in the back of the book. Um, so Harpreet wears a turban. It's a special turban called a patka, which many young Indian boys will wear. And I learned the reason that they wear those is to help them remember parts of their faith and what they believe in. So every morning when they put that turban on their head, it's a reminder for them to follow what they believe in. Mm -hmm. So I never knew that before. That was interesting to me. And it helps me to understand people in a different way. And I was just thinking off the top of my head, a really good window book is going to be written by someone from that culture. Yes. Be careful, be careful, be careful. If it's who your author is, if it's an authentic window, or if it could be an insulting window. So be aware of who the author is, and the more you can find a book written by an author from that culture, the better off you're going to be. I would also say that window books often spark really good discussions yes. with kids. Um, I had a great discussion with some fourth graders about this book and um, talked about the different faith and how it's different and similar to ours and also how, so the turban for them represents their beliefs. What do we wear as Christians that represents our beliefs? Uh, great little discussion. And yeah. I, think, I think kids then, when they see a person with a turban, might think something differently than they used to think. So it's a beautiful thing mm -hmm. to understand other people in different cultures. Yep. So. Wow. Look at us. Well done. Do you have any questions or comments? Anything you're wondering? They just want to go home. They do just want to go home. <laughs> it's okay. Or go out for dinner. I'm just buying you dinner tonight. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> and dessert. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for sticking around.